0: So, anyway, Arthur, it's really good to see you again. Good to see you. So, let me hear it. Okay.
1: So, the first uh, thing I've noticed is, like, now my... Instead of my practice being, like, an object within my daily experience, like, oh, I'll Take these minutes to uh, do my sitting meditation or something like that. I tend to notice it like becoming some sort of uh, second nature and it's like always with me during the day mm-hmm. and not only within the the cities the cities the seats and um uh, I don't know, just like, when I'm I'm feeling caught in bad emotions, it's almost like a, a natural reaction now to respond to it in a good way of responding. Like, just catching it, and it, like, drops away and melts away so fast that it's almost, like, uh, enjoyable to encounter like a a more harsh situation because it's like "Mm, let's see like (laughs) what we can do about that and Mm -hmm. it's uh and it's been been funny very very funny actually i think my mood has improved a lot too uh at least in the this uh, past uh weeks I'm not uh, making a statement. I'm uh, in a good mood like uh, forever now. But so far, I'm doing okay. all right. And uh, I tend to notice my concent- my concentration is uh, better than before, too. Um, because I'm so constantly like uh, reinforcing it that it's just easier now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm finding it uh, more delightful to sit for long periods of time. Um, one strange thing happened, too. Like, uh, I, I kind of know you don't like such things. <laughs> Pardon? I, I kind of know you don't like such things. Because... Uh,
0: I didn't hear the word. To stink? Uh, I no, don't no. Like
1: no. St- I, I kind of know you don't like such things. Things. damas Things. Uh, oh. Exactly.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, well, thank you for telling me. I didn't know that.
1: Uh, no, no. But it, it's uh, specifically... Uh, I, I was like uh, in my... I don't know the word for it. It's like Porsche.
0: Like Porsche.
1: Yes. Like the part of the house you're staring at. The... Oh, the porch. Oh,
0: yes. the porch.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I was uh, in there and like uh, I was just mindfully aware of my, my thoughts, like just just doing that, I think. Uh, I was I wasn't meditating or something, but uh, suddenly I felt a, a, a kind of thought that like didn't resemble the thoughts that usually appear within my sphere of uh, consciousness. Uh, so I, I I got up and I like. Uh, found my dad in my house, and I was like, uh, were you thinking about uh, uh, sh- sh- schedules, like uh, when you make making an appointment, you know? Okay. And uh, he was like, uh, in that exact moment, like trying to make uh, an appointment. And I, I, I find it uh, like uh, very interesting of sorts i don't have an explanation for it um i'm not like a kind of a superstition person but uh, it was funny to
0: to happen okay um there are uh various words in english language and some people have become famous associated with the word One word we could use would be serendipity. Carl Jung invented a word he called synchronicity.
1: Okay, yes, I'm I'm familiar with that.
0: Okay, and serendipity is a word that is often used uh, uh, to indicate uh, the joyful, playful nature of how things fit together. Mm hmm. Uh, But synchronicity sounds more like that it's clockwork, which is also an interesting uh, way of expressing it. Uh, But within, let us say all religions in their own vernacular are trying to point to that, that there is something bigger going on and that the Buddha talked about it in the sense of cause effect or the Pali word for it would be idiopapajayata. And another word that he would use for that, which uh, uh, is uh, patichu samupada, mm. or patichu samupada. And what that means basically is with this, there is that. Every fire has a fuel. There is a cause or a reason for everything, and that in a grander scale, a whole lot of stuff uh, gets kicked off with the same kind of causes. And so two effects can be sitting there marveling at each other uh, at the simultaneous existence without actually understanding the underlying cause that kicked them both off at the same time. That happens on, uh, uh, the Zim, uh, on the Zoom calls frequently. On the what? On the Zoom calls. I'm not oh, the, Zoom, okay. the, the Skype calls. On the Skype okay. calls, it happens frequently. Here's here, one example uh, that was, uh, let's really, say, interesting to all of us was that um, an old friend of mine, Thad, who introduced me... Uh, or introduce Noah to me, and I haven't heard from them either one of them or, uh, in a long time. Right. I, I talked to, uh, because... to Noah. I think. Uh huh. All right. So you know Noah. All right. Yes. So Dad is the one who told Noah about me, and then Noah told everybody. <laughs> but the point <laughs> is, is that isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that uh, they would both call at the same time after having not heard from either one of them for months?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Here's another example, and I've just got tons of them. Uh, Some of them I remember, and others I don't. One was that uh, at one point that I used um, the example with a student of. learning to do what you're doing, if you're going to do it, you might as well enjoy doing it. And I use the example of dishwashing and that was just breathtaking to him because he was a professional dishwasher. Mm. No, it wasn't. It was just synchronicity. Now, did he have enough soap on his hands that the, that the odor came to me through the internet? I'm not sure about that kind of stuff, exactly how this happens because we're not sure of the sources But we understand that there is some kind of connection there. We just don't know what it is, and we can marvel at it. And then we can start saying, "Wait a minute! There is something behind putting all of this stuff together." The answer is no. We don't need all. We need is the law of cause and effect, and that's good enough right there. To understand that things have a fuel, that there are causes and effects doesn't mean that now there's some magical uh, uh, Wizard of Oz behind some curtain pulling the dials to make all of this stuff fit together. Mm -hmm. It just naturally, playfully fits together. Mm -hmm. That's the better way of looking at it. And that part of the joy that you will have is beginning to see all of these connections as they pop up. Because it just happens all the time. It's almost amazing that how often things happen simultaneously that would be seemingly unrelated to us, and yet here they are, together. How did that happen? We don't know how it happens often, but we know that it does happen, and we can marvel at that. That's part of the joy of of being alive, of just uh, being aware of what's happening around you. And marvel at, wow, how did that happen? (laughs) Yes. And at the same time, I felt
1: like uh, it is uh, deeply connected to some sort of, uh, uh, about how mindful you are at that moment. Because I think these uh, connections are always happening, like at the same time. And you just... Like, if you're aware enough you you maybe notice one, but th- there is like tons of it like happening all the
0: time that's exactly right. It's not that when you're med when you're a meditator, those things start to happen around you. yes, they are always magical happening thinking.
1: yes, but yes.
0: rather that when you're a meditator, you begin to see all the stuff that really is happening around you that most people are not paying attention to. Yes. That's the distinction is is that the sati allowed you to see what you could not see before as opposed to things are happening and you want to try to control it so it's really magical thinking or grasping and clinging to a self that says i want to control synchronicity so that i can make things happen
1: Mm yes 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 so um that was uh, an interesting one um but, like, in regards to my my experiences uh like in the practice uh besides my my mood and uh some things like that, what uh happened like uh I think more four or five seats was that sense of vibrations because it it doesn't happen like every time, but uh I get this feeling of, uh, as I start to spin, and the spinning goes to a vibration, and there I am, like all made of like long wave vibrations. And it's very pleasant, and uh, I enjoy it very much. But at the same time, um, I'm not like uh, experiencing it, like, because it kind of changed. Like I'm not feeling the vibrations um, outside of me that is watching. Now I'm I'm feeling kind of like today I wasn't sure where was exactly my point of attention because it kept changing like in a a strange way. Like it was morphing and wave-like just like the external vibrations I was feeling but it's Like in the center of my attention now.
0: Okay. Well, first off, there's a lot of indication that uh, the waves are there. There's not just the physical waves of the sound waves that we have or the water waves, but that in uh, that in fact uh, you could go so far as to say that the Buddha. when he spoke of a Nietzsche or temporariness, he's actually referring to this up and down, back and forth wavy quality. Now, um, if the frequency changes uh, very often within a wave, then the human being generally will consider that noise. But if the wave um, is consistent, from one up cycle to down cycle, we're thinking of kind of a wave, uh, a a sine wave, that has a a relatively stable frequency. With that stability of a frequency, an example of something that does that is like the violin uh, string, that it's tuned to a particular frequency and that that frequency then uh, vibrates consistently at at that frequency. And this is why we can call it music, all right? And that basically what we're thinking about, if the mind is scatterbrained, then that means that all of the frequencies are changing rapidly so that it's actually kind of a noise in the mind. But once we gain uh, some stability once the, um, the restlessness begins to settle down, then we can begin to, let us say, harmonize or take frequencies or begin to see the vibrations as they are because they're consistent enough to be seen. Okay. that even though a mind moment will last about a tenth of a second, some things are happening a whole lot faster than that. An example of that would be the middle C on the piano or any note, right? 250 cycles per second. All right, so that frequency then that is very stable, the mind can pick up on that pattern and it can hear that note. We can pick it up very quickly, but not at the rate of 250 cycles per second. And so noise, then, is those things that are uh, happening uh, where the frequency changes very quickly. So this cycle is 256, the next cycle is 512, the next one is 128, and just goes back and forth all over the place. All right. In that regard, then the mind can't pick it up. And so we don't know what to make of it because uh, of that frequency is not stable enough for the mind to pick it up. But once the mind begins to get itself more stable, we can begin to pick up music that we couldn't hear before or that we heard it as noise.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, so this is a way of understanding that uh, this sharpness, this um, sati that we're developing, is actually a skill to be developed and it a. <clears throat> it has to do with the speed of things and that a lot of students think that it has to do with with the word concentration which is often used from the pali word samati but basically what samati means is gathering things together all right in, in a way you could say that the uh, the buddha's language with the way that it was used is much more precise and exactly talking about exactly what's happening to where our English translations get muddy because the translations are not really good. Okay, and so an example of that is translating uh, sati into mindfulness Mm. because mindfulness is basically uh, more of uh, the acts of investigation. They say, for instance, mindful of your P's and Q's when they tell a kid because you know the P and the Q are the same Mm -hmm. except it's backwards, Mm -hmm. right? So mind your P's and Q's, little kid, while you're learning the alphabet uh, means that you um, uh, you're not watching when you get it backwards, that you haven't learned it correctly, but, one, but adults, once they've been writing for a long time, they don't have to mind their P's and Q's because they already know exactly which one is which. Mm-hmm. So that's another quality of uh, why mindfulness or minding things is not what we're talking about here, that basically what we're talking about is the ability to wake up and remember to, to, to look not the actual minding of the p's and q's because what we're waking up is to watch all kinds of things
1: yeah
0: okay there's a whole lot more to watch than just that so mindfulness um it's it's a it's not a bad word for the beginner but when we're actually wanting to get that speed increase into it that's when we have to understand that nature of keep focusing or keep coming back and coming back and coming back over and over again because it's when that waking up process is is that then we're there to notice things like synchronicity Mm. okay so um, the the waking up speed can be practiced um, with the breath in fact, we can practice waking up with every breath. That's an interesting way of thinking about it, that this is part of the Anapanasati practice, and it's um, actually part of, of the Anapanasati Sutta. That we are, uh, in that first step of Anapanasati, it says, uh, it, when it's translated into mindfulness, it's almost missed. If you would leave it translated, untranslated as the Pali, then it would be easier to understand. But when they say mindfully breathe in and mindfully breathe out, people will gloss right through that. But when you understand that, know what we're talking about is, you must develop sati so that you know that you're doing that in-breath and you know that you're doing that out-breath that's when we begin to understand okay this is how we practice sati we Mm. practice it to get it on that in-breath and to get it on that out-breath which means that every in-breath you're at least waking up to the breathing and then perhaps other things and then on the out-breath you're waking up again that's what makes this practice so much different than other kinds of meditations that are thinking about Staying on an object, or concentrating, or going deep, or any things like that. That what we're doing is, um, uh, <laughs> even though this is a strange analogy, um, think about it like this: um, in the old west, you had gunslingers. Do you know what yeah. I mean by a gunslinger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. And the, and the question is, um, unlike the duel of the um, 1820s to 1840s and 50s, the gunslingers of the 1880s out west, it was how fast could they get their gun out of the holster, draw it, take aim, and fire it, right? Now, here's the question. Is someone going to learn how to do that by holding the gun still and pointing it at the target and not firing or perhaps even target practice? You do have to have some target practice in order to be able to hit the target. But it's that drawing, the drawing, aiming, firing sequence.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's what makes
0: the gunslinger stay alive. And so that's what makes him quick. Yes, that's what needs to be practiced is pulling that gun out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's exactly the way that martial arts is also practiced. Okay, but it, they generally do it in the Asian style of practicing it slowly and then building up the speed. Well, guess what? You do that same thing with piano. Especially yes, with very I, was, difficult passages. I was thinking
1: about that. Yeah,
0: okay. So, this is the whole idea then of what is sati is the quick draw of the mind.
1: Yes, the quick
0: draw of the
1: mind.
0: And so, we have the ability to do that with every in breath and with every out breath. Yeah. That is the way of practicing. Every in breath and every out breath, we can say, okay, this is going to be a deep in breath, and this is going to be a deep out breath. And so we keep bringing the mind back as if we were practicing uh, drawing and firing the gun.
1: Yes.
0: Okay. But you can see then that the the gunslinger has to develop more than one skill. He's got to not just draw the gun quickly, he's got to be able to aim it quickly, which means he's got to be able to see. Mm -hmm. So the drawing and the seeing... And, and being able to grasp hold of the target, this is actually, even though it's a strange analogy, because it often is thought of in, in violent terms, and the Buddha is not violent at all, it, except that many of the skills that you would think of that necessary for the gunslinger are actually part of the practice of Anapanasati, to be able to see the target, aim at it directly, and, and, and hit it in the sense of knocking it out of the mind. Yes. Yeah. Blowing it away, yeah, getting yeah. rid of that, that unwholesome <laughs> thought, <laughs> and then bringing in good wholesome thoughts in. Yeah, and you can imagine that after that uh, 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 gun duel, of uh, the quick draw, that that uh, uh, the one who survives the the quick is relieved. Great deal of relief, the pressure is off. I I hit the target. I was able to survive. Wow, what a relief. So that's the sense also of step four of Anapanasati is that relief that we feel when we've been able to uh, remove the unwholesome. So getting back to that idea of waking up so that we can see things quickly the, the more, we, more often we wake up, the more attention that we pay, the more synchronistic things that we'll see. Mm. So that's the, um, um, uh, the, the answer to your question about synchronicity, that it has to do with the mind, yes. because all that stuff's happening already anyway. Here's a good example of it. Kind of cute also, but it's a real-world example. Nobles are very hard to sneak up on. And yet ordinary people, a noble can walk right up behind them and startle them.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. Okay? Very hard to walk up on a noble. So, when a noble is able to sneak up on another noble, he knows he's been able to accomplish something. I see. Because you know that guy's awake. So, my my daughter, Kitty, it's so easy to, I'm in fact, that's part of the way I'm trying to wake her up, to be here in the present moment. Yes, you can watch your cell phone, but daddy's in the room tickling your foot if you don't watch. <laughs> I see. Thank you. And so it's, it really does have a lot to do with be here now, to wake up. That this is stuff that, uh, that I learned. Actually, even though it's the Zen people, uh, the, the Zen masters who were famous in the West for doing this, the Theravada have their ways also. Achan Poe would, would little be able to, he stopped being able to sneak up on me. He, he woke me up. By sneaking up on me. And it and, uh, did happen many, many times. And he would often just come, just pass by. I'd be, you know, lollygagging or looking around or seeing what was going up. And I would hear him whisper in my ear and he'd be here and gone. And he would say things like, uh, uh, not sure. That is, in fact, a, a reference to a sutta but uh, we'll go into that later. Another thing okay. he would say would be, Tathatha, can you imagine your teacher just walking up behind you and giving you one one word and, and beyond, by the time you I look around, it has gone yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how many people he did that to, but it was a wake up call, okay. And part of it, uh, the first impression I had was, is that, okay, I've got to watch all the time to see if Achan Poe is around. But that was a really good lesson yeah. to learn. Yes. Because I'd already learned it from a friend in high school, a fellow motorbiker in a small town in South Carolina. And, the, and one of the things that he taught me was, you see the police before they see you. 'Cause the police have got to do everything. All you have to do is spot the police. Yes. So I use that with Aichon Poe. Okay, I'm gonna spot Aichon Poe. And <laughs> but that was a good part of the training is to be on alert and be on guard for where is Aichon Poe? Because if I don't know where he is, he's gonna sneak up on. <laughs> and you would get startled? <laughs> Pardon?
1: Would you get startled?
0: No. No. I don't think that I ever got startled. I think is though, um, is is that it was, he would do another thing. The other thing that he would do is he would come in the daytime when I was in the cootie. And he would just stand, he would come close to the cootie and just stand. Now the typical way for this to be done between monks is that instead of standing and calling or going onto the property and knocking on the door, rather that the monks will stand at a distance and clear their throat or cough. But that's the announcement. Mm-hmm. And it may have been that he did, and I didn't hear it because my hearing is not so good, mm-hmm. but I, be, I started to become awake and aware that Achan Poe may show up at any time and I better be alert to it because I don't want him standing in the front yard mulling in his mind over how long it's taken me to figure out that he's out there. Mm. And so these are the kinds of things that Achan Po did that were playful, very playful, Yes. the way that he uh, treated it. But it was a wake-up call. Now, I have actually, um, let us put it this way. I have had students to become reluctant to call me again when I talk about this playfulness, to become playful. Well um in that particular occasion there there were two gentlemen on the screen at the same time that were brothers mm. and i think that they misunderstood what i meant by being playful with each oh. <laughs> <laughs> i see and so um we have to make sure that The audience is going to receive, well, what we have to say about this. But anyway, you can see how Ajahn Po was being playful. And that I'm also doing that with with Kitty. Is to be able to come up uh, and anyone who's done a fair amount of walking meditation knows how to do it silently.
1: Mm.
0: And that you don't have to creep or sneak or go like this. Or any of the stuff that you see in cartoons, you can just walk silently.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Uh, and mindfully. And by doing so, people are not aware of it. <clears throat> but if you have someone who is practicing sati, then they're going to be enough alert that they're going to pick up on something. It can be the change of atmosphere. It can be the way the wind moves. It can be your uh, your breath stinks, or it doesn't matter what it is. They'll Anything. pick up on something yeah. and know that you're there. I see. Because they're they're in they're alive, they're awake, they're in their senses, as well as in their head. People who get lost in thought then uh, are very easy to sniff sneak up on. This is the whole idea of the Zen stick. That's what it's for. That thing they smash in the the monk's head. Who do you think that the the Zen master is going to hit? The guy who knows he's in the room or the one who is deep in meditation? The one deep in meditation. The one who knows he's here. Exactly. I think that that's a part of the quality of the teaching of the Buddha that became... Uh, let us say, so integral into the martial arts of uh, Japan at about the time that the shogunate was falling apart, so that you had all of these martial artists, by the hundreds of thousands, millions of them that were mobilized, and now they've got nothing to do with their training and no no place to go and nothing to do, and the Buddha comes by and shows them how to uh, incorporate that and that's what gives you things like Zen and the art of archery, mm, we'll which see. is really all about breathing and mindfulness and moving the body. It is 100% on Sati, including the part that after the uh, uh, bowman lets the arrow fly, he does something new. If it's in some sort of exhibition of rapid fire, he's going to be drawing more arrows. And if it's uh, the exhibition to where he's just taking one shot, then he's walking off the stage before the arrow ever hits its target. The whole idea is, is that once, once the arrow is launched. It's done. It's, it's done. Your job yeah. is done. And yet, yeah. you see, Westerners—they want to see—they don't care anything about the firing of the gun. They want to see what happened to the target. Yes. Right. But with Zen and the art of archery, it's all about the drawing of the arrow, the drawing of the bow, the notching of the arrow, the the bringing of the bow back, the holding of the arrow just long enough to take aim. And it's very, very similar then to the quick draw, of. The gunfighter that we were talking about, this is very, very similar. Yes. And part of the reason is, is that if you notch an arrow with your fingers like this and let go with the two fingers, it's very, very strong, these two fingers together. Except that when you let go of the bow, um, you can't control it very well. And Mm -hmm. so this is oftentimes when you're taking a long, long aim and holding it like that, you'll still miss because the fingers themselves become tired and don't release correctly. I see. So within the Zen system, they use the thumb and the forefinger, which means you can't hold it for very long. We're not gonna hold it for very long. We're in the process of doing this quick. I see. So we're not gonna hold the arrow and, and hold the bow so that we can take aim. Taking aim is not the issue. It's the rapid fire of the arrow. That's yes. the issue.
1: I see.
0: Just enough and so, time. Mm-hmm. And the way the bow is built be- is really very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so basically what happens is, is that the bowstring is already here right at the face. And that the way that the bow then is drawn is, is that you move the left hand out and, and hold it goes. the left hand and then let go like that. that that's the way that the Zen does it as opposed to in the West, they pull the bow back with the fingers and the string instead of taking the leaving string where it is with the fingers and then using and pushing the bow out. So there's various techniques like this and so always in competition, which is the better, because which is more accurate? The question is not that. In this regard, the question is How is the arrow fired? And Mm. so it has to, they do a very, very careful, slow motion procedure of exactly every move. For instance, I've seen exhibitions where the bowman missed his arrow when he was getting it out of the sheath. And by missing it in that one action, he missed the next shot. I see. Every step of that sequence has to be done exactly correctly. Just like, uh, uh, a, a let us say, a masterful con- piano concerto. One note. You miss one note, and sorry, <laughs> that's it. you got to get every one of them in line and in order. So, because if you miss one note, it may take a while to recover from that because the pianist himself is going to remember he missed that note. Yes. Okay. And so it's hard to recover. So that's, that's how it is with this. That's why it's that, that training or that sequence over and over and over again of repeating that. Let's get back to anapana Sati. We're doing exactly that same procedure. Sati on the in-breath. Sati on the out-breath. Long, deep in-breath. Long, deep out-breath. This is the way that the anapana is practiced and you can see that it has connections in reality of Let's yes. find a way of bringing the speed up. Yes. So we can start watching what's going on and get a hold of how marvelous this place is because it's just absolutely locked up with
1: synchronicity. I yes.
0: And it's just the the planet operates on serendipity. That's the whole <laughs> underlying motivation. Is this cause effect relationship that everything has? Is uh, Lila about it as a as a dance a Lila? Yes. Yes,
1: exactly what I... Yes.
0: Everything is dancing.
1: Yes. There is only one Sati. Pardon? There is only one Sati.
0: I don't know how to answer that question. What do you mean?
1: Uh, Let me try to, to rephrase it. It's like...
0: Every breath is a new sati. Are you asking about the object of sati or the process of the waking up? No,
1: no, no. It's like, uh, because today, um, it's kind of, the actual question is like, where is sati coming from? Like, where is the place it's being shot from? Because... In the beginning of my practice, I tend to like uh, feel like sati is something drawn out of the center of my experience, that it's somewhere like uh, behind my eyes, for example. But uh, I'm not so sure that's the case.
0: Oh, okay. It depends upon which sense that you're in. And since the eyes and the ears are in the head, most people get a sense of self in the head, but also, um, if you dwell in, uh, emotions and feelings of fear, anger, anxiety, et cetera, like that, then people will get the feeling and in more co- primitive cultures, this is exactly what happens is, is that they get the sense of the feeling that the self is in the center of yeah. the chest or the heart. Okay. But you can, in fact, some musicians do it, but I'll tell you who really does it a lot, and that is automobile mechanics.
1: Mm.
0: Automobile mechanics. That's one of the techniques that we learned is put your awareness into your hands. Well, guess what? This is a Buddhist practice also. This is something that is mentioned in yes. Dhatipatthana, is to take and put your awareness completely into your hands. So that you become this is your now your uh your sensory input okay, and that uh, why do automobile mechanics is because oftentimes the mechanic cannot see either the hole or the screw he's about to put into that hole mm-hmm. But he can hold the screwdriver in such a way that, actually, if you think about it, in this way, the very weird part about it is, is that his sensory input is not in the hand; it's at the end of the screwdriver out here, because that's what we're dealing with. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Where is the focal point of our um, our knowledge? But it it. But then the screwdriver through its sensory touching the synchronicity of the screwdriver, then, the hand picks that up. Mm. And so it is with the hand, because the hand is the primary sensory input device, but it's actually where our awareness is, is out there at the end of that screwdriver, at the place where the screw is, the one that we cannot see. Mm. And yet we're going to get it into that hole, get it's turning, and screw it into place. Yes. Or the same thing with the wrench, or even getting the screw itself. That even though you do not put your awareness into the threads, you only have your hand, but the hand can sense where those threads are. Yeah. So that you can back them up and turn it and get that screw to go into place. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where is your attention now? People will not say, oh, it's in the chest. Or, no, it's in the hand. I am this hand in yeah. that regard. When we're putting things together, like putting screws uh, or peeling our way through things. Another way is when you've lost something on the floor, oftentimes we don't look for it with our eyes. What do we do? We get out on our hands and knees and we push our yes. hands around through trying Starts to find
1: things. Yeah.
0: Right? So in that sense, our, our established awareness is in, in the hand. I see. So in a way, by putting our awareness into our hands, we're taking it out of the place which we normally keep it in the sense of between the ears or behind the eyes or whatever like that. Is because of that illusion that because we're seeing, that it's the eyes that see, therefore, I am the eyes.
1: This uh, sensation will vanish with time. Pardon? This sensation will vanish with time. Like the sensation of being behind not the eyes. Not just eye.
0: vanish with time. I showed you in a way that is going to vanish. All you have to do is pick up something in your hand right now and hold it and feel it, <laughs> and it happens immediately. It's not something that will eventually over time. It's the fact that we spend so much, so many mind moments in the head that we think that we're in the head. Yes. It's
1: because even when I, I, I touch something, it's like I, I keep going back and forth, back and forth. And, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I cannot like, uh, feel I'm in here for an extended period of time. But I can very easily feel I'm here for a very mm-hmm. extended period of time.
0: Well, there, that's a means then of practicing the Satipatthana, is to spend more time actually in the hands. There are mudras, positions of the hand for meditation, but also in the Satipatthana, it talks about whatever the hands are doing. Reaching and grasping and touching and letting go and this kind of stuff. And one of the techniques of doing it is to do things slowly. Let's see. All I right. See. Here's an example of that. I'll, we'll use our little buddy here. Then Instead of most people just grab it like that thoughtlessly. So what we're talking about is start looking for it is is that we move our hands because if I'm moving slowly now, look how many mind moments of mindfulness I have to put into that thing to get a hold of it. Mm. The next really important point is what is the first part of my hand that touches it? Is it going to be this finger right here? Is it going to be the thumb? What's going to be the first thing? You can see that the first and the second and the third thing. So as you're grasping something, what's the order of the touch? You begin to notice those things. Start to uh, and we, at first we slow that down, but then later we get it up to speed so that even though we just grab it like we normally do it, we also know all of the individual fingers and. And all of that kind of stuff. So you get to the mind really fast with this teaching ourselves of touching and, and reaching and grasping and, and setting down um, objects that we hold in our hand. The hand. In fact, making the hands as part of the body is <laughs> it's almost as if um, the breath body from here down to here is how we get started. But eventually it's the hands that become the most important part of the body that we're really going to put awareness and attention into. Mm. What are we doing with our hands? That's true. Okay, if you're gonna you if you're gonna to touch your face, make sure that you touch it mindfully. Don't scratch mindlessly. In mm. fact, don't scratch anything. Rub instead. And that takes mindfulness to do that, to make a change to it. That's in fact the important point, then, is always making these subtle little changes as training tools. I see. Moving the hands slowly, touching and noticing, withdrawing the hands. So this sati that we're talking about, we get it built up so that we're we're mindful and awake and aware to many, many things that are happening around us. I see. This is the waking up process that's so strange because so many meditators think that it's going deep into meditation that's waking up. No, sorry. That's a different practice. This is the Anapanasati practice that the Buddha talks about, is to wake up, to be mindful, to start watching what's going on at the most exquisite detail. Mm -hmm. In the sense of speed, how things happen so fast. There is so much happening right now, there (laughs) is just so much happening, but what we generally do is we see something, let us say with the eyes, we take that thing and then we process it, we try to name it, we try to understand it, we try to grasp a hold of it, we try to put it into context of the things that we saw, and while we're doing that we're not looking at the next things that go by. The whole point is to keep coming back to the sensory input and stop paying so much time into the processing and understanding and knowing.
1: Of clinging. We have to
0: let go of our knowledge, let go of our knowing and do it more in the sense of just seeing. Just be here. Watch what's going on. Pay attention. Look closely. Watch closely now. I see. Keep noting, keep noticing, keep watching. That's the teachings of the Buddha. So, uh,
1: when uh, I'm doing like uh, anapanasati, I I go about uh, with the breath. But uh, in some like uh, like a thirty minutes in, I feel like a, a very a very pleasant sensation of just like taking things in. Like, just like kind of receiving it. But like, I don't know if it's equally as useful, useful to like uh, do that or to stay on the breath. I try to like. When you're on
0: OK. Uh, while we're doing Anapanasati, there are actually 16 steps of anapanasati four for each of the four foundations of mindfulness. And within each long breath and with each uh, long out breath, we have actually plenty of time to do a number of the steps of anapanasati. But we don't necessarily have to do them all within one breath cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is much more like playing with toys. I see. Okay, so you have your your favorite toys. One of the toys that should be the favorite is the um, the Sati, the waking yeah. up. Keep waking yeah. up, and for a while that'll be the favorite toy. Yeah,
1: and that one. Later
0: is it. it'll be, or at another time it'll be gladdening the mind. That's my favorite toys. Let's get bright. Let's get sharp. Let's get up. Okay, and so there are various toys that will become the favorites from time to time, but many of them are needed within one mind moment or excuse me, one breath. We can take a few mind moments to investigate, to make sure that this is a wholesome thought, that we're in the here now, that we're, um, uh, you know, checking around, doing a kind of a, a, a quick inventory.
1: Like a body scan, you mean, when you touch the body? Well,
0: not just a body scan, but a feeling scan, a thought scan, a mental condition scan. Mm -hmm.
1: I I try to notice, like, uh, there is more and more moments when I'm not, like, finding any, like, particular or at least a strong enough emotion. So I, because I was like, uh, I go with the breath, then I look at the emotions. I go at the breath, then I don't find any emotions, then I go at the uh, thought process.
0: Okay, when you don't find any emotions, in fact, this is actually part of the practice also, is is that uh, we notice not just what's there, but we also notice what was there and not now, or emptiness, sunyata, Mm. what's what's missing, what's not here. Yes, I'm finding more
1: things missing.
0: All right, and so in that regard, you can also congratulate yourself for the fact that, hey, I feel okay now. Mm. I don't have any emotions or any feelings. I don't have any anxiety, no fears, no... We can go down through the checklist. No grief, no sorrow, no sadness, no lamentation, no impatience, no restlessness, no anger, no sorrow, no fear, all of that. you just... Oh, isn't that great? Yeah. We don't feel any of that stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So that's actually taking that inventory that we're talking about here. Is that investigation to check things out? How do you feel? Do you feel good now? Hmm. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, feels great. Or if it's a, oh, I feel anxiety, then we can say, Wow, I've got a new toy to play with. I've got anxiety to play with, so let me play with it. Let me see if I can make it bigger and smaller, and can I move it from here to there? And can I t- control it with the breath so that it's bigger on the in-breath and smaller on the out-breath? Can I breathe it away? You know, these are the kinds of things that we can do with the anxiety. I, things, I-, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, is it useful if I, like, uh, try to after going to the emotions and thoughts, to try to go to the thing that
0: is feeling the watching? Say that again. I'm not quite understanding your question. Is it useful
1: also to investigate, like, the sense of uh, a watcher inside the head? Of a witness inside the head? I
0: would, I would say... No, in the sense of, from the time, uh, I'm thinking of the Saba Asava Sutta now, as well as it's also in other suttas, in number 38 also. But it's very clear in uh, the Saba Asava Sutta, that thoughts of who am I, And what am I on and where did I come from and where am I going and who is this? And what is this observer? Those kind of questions will lead to anxiety. Mm. They will lead to frustration. They will lead to not knowing when we ask those kind of questions and pay attention to that. Um, That in fact a much better thing to pay attention to is is this dukkha or is this not when we were talking about anxiety then I was thinking of that in the sense of yes we can label that as dukkha and therefore is worthy of our attention in the sense of of noticing the source of it what caused that anxiety because it can be uh, a recurring thought Mm. that thought can be um, congealed down from a whole episode down to just say one word or one little tiny thought like the word lawyer mm-hmm. that comes that one word or even just a gray spot that represents the lawyer and here comes that anxiety mm-hmm. okay and we can begin to chase that down oh and now i know why i have that anxiety is because there was only just one thought moment and all of that sudden that anxiety spigot got turned on i see
1: like compressing and So it, all right? i
0: have to do is as, yeah, have compassion for yourself. Have compassion for the breath and say, never mind, I don't need to deal with that lawyer right now. I can tell, I, oh, it feels so good to relax. I don't have to think about that lawyer. Okay? That's the way. Just say that everything is okay now. I'll deal with that lawyer if I ever get an email from him or something. I'm not going to deal with him now or until some event is triggered something real happens. Right now, Anything, my thoughts about that lawyer are not real, but look at all the anxiety I can give myself by thinking about that lawyer. I see. Okay. And it doesn't even matter about who the lawyer is or what his business is or even that it's a lawyer. I'm just using that word lawyer as an example because most people will freak out <laughs> when we start talking about the need of a lawyer. There's yeah. heavy times. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's a source of anxiety. These thoughts that can happen immediately, but if we can be aware of those, then we can get we can see both that thought and the anxiety arise within the next mind moment or two, and say, "Hot dog! I saw that one." I see.
1: You want to know? Uh, I think I'm thinking right now, like. Remember the, the, the guy you talked with about like uh, uh, enjoying like uh, dishwashing?
0: Uh-huh.
1: And now you're talking about lawyer:
0: Because uh-huh.
1: I, I went exactly to law school, and it, uh, I was thinking it, it, it's funny you brought that up like at the same:
0: oh, the synchronicity again. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I remember another one. Um, uh, like uh 3 days ago I think I had a dream uh, about you and uh Daniel Ingram uh together on a on a on a call and I today I discovered you're going to uh to
0: do a podcast together we did that podcast 2 days ago oh okay on tuesday it's it's because It's much
1: funnier than I just discovered like uh, today and it's going to be broadcasted, I think, uh, in a couple of days or something.
0: Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, um, we all enjoyed it. It was a a very fun call. Nobody got upset. Nobody fell off the floor. Yes. I imagine. Well, I'm not sure about that falling on the floor. Something fell on the floor. You can see the video. I'm hoping that that was cut out of it. (laughs)
1: In
0: in any case, yes. um, it's, um, It's marvelous at how in sync everything is. Everything is in sync. But it always follows the natural laws of nature, which the physicists have defined into the four forces, and everything operates within those four forces. And we can say that those four forces always operate. They are always there, not only there, but they know exactly when and where and how to operate. Those laws just are there. And they're always so strong that nothing can resist those laws. Yeah. Well, there you go. These The laws of nature then are omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, just like they say God is. And so there's a, there is a God in nature, right? And he can be your best buddy if you want to have a he in it, or it can be your best buddy or your best friend, or it can be your enemy depending upon your attitude. Yeah. All right. And you can look at it in uh, at just one of these things. For instance, uh, one of the four forces is electromagnetic force, and another one is gravity. And look at gravity. Gravity is smart. If you trip, it'll be there to catch you and fall and make you fall down. It'll it'll trip you up. Right. Any bird that stops flying is going to fall out of the air. Gravity yeah. is right there all the time and it's smart enough to know how to trip you up so you better be careful you better watch where you're going because gravity is going to bust your ass if you're not mindful yeah (laughs) and so this is how a lot of people get magical thinking into this synchronicity is because they think that that there is something magical about the forces of nature no the forces of nature are very smart yes but they're not smart the way that you think they are it's different very very different than the way that we think of it it's not human it's <laughs> kind of better than human because humans yes. are not always right but the force of gravity and the force of electromagnetic they're always right yeah. always <laughs> right. always <laughs> always on point
1: yeah exactly <laughs>
0: And so this is why Sati is to start waking up to see cause and effect and the cause and effect because that cause and effect is also part of the law of nature. Mm -hmm. That in fact, gravity uh, gets its power from causality. Something Mm -hmm. is underlying that gravity that causes those gravitational waves the way that they are based upon the size of bodies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause and effect is at the root of everything Mm -hmm. and so is really again a useful thing for us to start waking up to very quickly seeing these instantaneous it seems cause and effects yes because when people are very slow they get confused let us say, for instance, they know the effect first, and then they know just the cause. But because of the way that they saw them in that order, they think that the effect was the cause, and the it. cause yeah, was the yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. They get things backwards. Yes,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Or they think that they're unrelated. They don't understand that there was causality in there. Yes. And so seeing things clearly means that we have to have a mind that's sharp enough and fast enough to see some of the stuff that appears to be unrelated or backwards in the causality uh, and begin to see things straight. Mm -hmm. This is why Buddhism, the teaching of the Buddha, is scientific. It's all science. There's no magic to it. Yes. Yes. And it's our magical thinking that often gets us into trouble. Yes. Can I ask you a question?
1: Like, I've been doing it for quite some time. But it's like, uh, I want to know if you perceive, like, uh, some kind of, uh, of a, I know. <laughs> this uh answer is obvious like because there are many but i want to know if there is any specific like a blind spot you're seeing in me or my practice that you like to address that is uh, important for me to work on and i am missing no
0: i'll let you find those i'll let you find those because you will You'll trip and fall and you'll recognize, hey, I just stumbled over something I was blind to. Okay. And some of your friends may help you do that. But all I can do is say, wakey, wakey. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Look at what you're doing. And you will begin to no longer have so many blind spots. I see. And so it really depends upon your skill. If I tell you what's wrong with you, one of two things will happen. One is you won't believe me. You'll get into an argument with me and then you'll stop calling. The other possibility is you'll say, hey, you know, you're right. That's the only thing that I've got left. Goodbye. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's better for me to keep my mouth shut and stop Diagnosing you until you see it yourself, and then I'll congratulate you for having seen something I already saw. (laughs) I see, but that's because I've been trained as a psychologist. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I think that this is time to draw this one to a close. Yeah. I'll let you go find those blind spots. Okay. <laughs> and the way to find them is before you stumble over them. All right. See them coming before you walk into it. That's okay. the way to see it. See, see the it police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be a quick draw. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right.
0: All right. We'll Thank see you here. very much.
1: Bye-bye.